Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Bible Conversations. We are so excited to get going with y'all this week and bring y'all another week of podcasting. And and, and we're here with a really great brother, J.J. Uh, Hendricks, great friend and great brother. And, and you probably hear him laughing right now, but that's because we've been having... Some great conversations even before we, we started recording for y'all. Um, it, it's amazing the the relationships that you have when your bond is Christ. And and even though we haven't seen each other in a, in a couple months, um, to be together, to be talking about Christ, and to be able to fellowship with one another. It's awesome. Th- this bond is incredible. And so I love that we get to, to laugh together, to cry together, and to, to talk Jesus together. Are you mm. crying? So, well, no, not right now. Oh, just in general? I'm just saying, like, I can cry around y'all, and y'all will cry with me. Well, I I would. (laughs) Thank you, JJ. I might. So, so we're excited to get going with another podcast for y'all. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the difference between humility and lack of self-esteem. So, JJ, this is your first time on with us, so why don't you introduce yourself real quick to our listeners so they know who you are, um, and then we'll get diving into the topic. All right. Uh, my name is J.J. Hendricks. I am uh, the family involvement minister over at Northwest and uh, do a lot of cool stuff. And uh, just, it's very exciting to be a Christian. Yeah, it, it, it is what you make it. And if you want to walk around looking like you were baptized in pickle juice, just a scrunched up look on your face, that's your prerogative. I have heard I that one before. I feel like we need to live by Philippians 4.4, take joy. You know, rejoice in the Lord and, and put the emphasis where it belongs in the Lord. I mean, yep. so, well, people say, well, you need to rejoice. It's like, well, I'm not going to sit back and be at my dad's funeral and be like, wee, dad's dead. I'm a Christian. I got to be happy. Yep. That's not it at all. We can mourn. We can weep. We can, we were talking about that earlier. And, but I mean, when I find joy, I'm, I am going to be different. I'm going to handle the trials of life in a different type of way. Well, and, I think it's really cool that you mentioned rejoice in the Lord. Um, I mean, that's thoughts that have been a lot on my mind re- recently. I've been doing a lot of writing about joy. Um, but that's that's the key to joy, is that it's Jesus first, others next, and yourself. Last J-O-Y, see what I did there? <laughs> I did. I um, like that. But th- that's, the, that's the key, is you rejoice because you're in the Lord. We're able to have joy together because our common bond is Christ. And and it's not happiness. Joy and happiness are different. Happiness no. is, is a good feeling. Joy is regardless of the circumstances around you because yeah. Jesus never changes. My joy leads us to Hebrews 10, 24, stir one another up to good works. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there are some who get the stir one another up part, but they're not stirring one another up to good works. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, the joy is it, it can help drive the drive the engine, can keep it running oh, yeah. smooth, that hope for eternity. And it's like, I know what's coming next for me, and I desperately want you to have that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's this is a really cool conversation because it leads into what we're talking about today, and that is the the difference of humility and lack of self-esteem because sometimes when you have that lack of self lack of self-esteem the kind of anxiety depression um it can be hard to find joy um so chris or or jj i'm just going to kind of open up the floor let's talk about this a little bit so as we talk about joy i I think it's kind of been at least alluded to you, you know you had mentioned that joy is regardless of circumstances you feel it right which 
implies that it's not necessarily a feeling. It's a knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's an understanding. Mm-hmm. And when we have joy, we know, right? We have joy in, in the Lord, as you're saying, right? Because we know that Jesus is coming back. It's not, you know, we have joy because of certain things that are happening around us, right? That's that's not, that's not what we're talking about. And as we relate that to the idea of humility and self-esteem, well, it's a whole lot harder to have that joy when you yourself feel so poorly about who you are. When you are not founded in Christ, right? When you don't believe that you are even worthy of being in Christ. When you believe that you are less than less than Paul thought of himself, which called himself the chief of sinners. I mean, that's it's a big deal. But when you feel that you are just so down and low that you don't even deserve to be in Christ, to be a part of the church, it's very difficult, I think, to really even conceptualize how to have joy, much less to have it. Uh, and, th- and then you get into the idea of humility. When you think that you're too big for your own britches, why do you need Christ at that point? Hmm. Right? And so... The idea of joy, I think, is in a lot of ways is intrinsic to any conversation that we have about the Lord. Um, but today specifically, I think it's intrinsic to the idea of, of, of knowing whose you are. It's, it's about knowing your strengths. And being humble is knowing your strengths and understanding your weaknesses mm-hmm. and finding where you fall short and how you can fix that. And we've got to remember that the beauty of the church, the beauty of the body, is that we have all different types of working parts. And, you know, some people are like, if I can't do this, I'm not going to serve. This is my thing, and I'm going to do it, and I want to do it at this time. And if somebody else does it, they're they're invading on my space. (laughs) And what we need to do is find out where our strengths are and serve to the best of our abilities. And sometimes, and y'all know this, a weakness can end up becoming a strength because yeah. of the focus that you can the focus that you can have, but well when when you stretch yourself, when you say I want to serve in in as much capacity as possible, you find weaknesses becoming strengths. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've got tight hamstrings, always have. I imagine if I started stretching my hamstrings and started focusing on leg day and those sorts of things. And if I fell in love with it and go, wow, what have I been missing? <laughs> laughing about somebody loving leg day? But uh, <laughs> I, I think about something along those lines and, and the weakness could become a strength because I was able to isolate it. Yeah. I was able to see, okay, this is something that, that I can improve on. But It'd be like if Shaq actually worked on free throws. Actually, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, That's a long shot. <laughs> That's just a free throw. It's not so too long. Oh, you meant long shot. Okay, I just got <laughs> confused. And <laughs> oh, this is great. But the body, it works together. And when one part of the body is either isn't there or is not is not doing as it should, then the body is not going to hypertrophy. And you know what hypertrophy is? No, I was about to interrupt you and say, can you tell me what that is? I'm assuming sure. it's the opposite of atrophy. It is the opposite of atrophy. Hypertrophy, when I lift weights, um, my muscles get bigger. And that is hypertrophy. Atrophy is when I quit using something, the muscle shrinks. It it dies. And you have to rebuild it back up. And when the body is functioning properly, it it will grow. It will be strong. That growth may not be physical, but it will be spiritual. And it's working together 
And some people have, as I said earlier, that mentality of this is my thing and only my thing. And somebody else is like, well, that's my thing too. And you end up going from body uh, to just a pile of big toes. And that's not a body. That's a horror movie. And we just need to make sure that we are covering, you know, making sure that the body is running efficiently. Well, and so as as you're talking about this, I actually kind of gave a sermon on on this idea. Um, I don't know how many days ago. This last Sunday. Uh, about the parable of the talents and how when we utilize what we have been given, our abilities, our talents, whatever they may be, if we invest those into the Lord's church, then we will gain new talents and new abilities. And for us to just assume that, you know, we only have one talent or one ability and that's the only way that we can serve God is, man, that is just so disrespectful to God (laughs) because God has given us so many abilities, so many talents, so many gifts. And to think that, well, I can only do one thing. I can only preach. I can only do AV. I can only do song leading. I can only do X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. That's just false. And then when I'm done, I get to retire. Yes. And uh, there's a wonderful lady out in Mount Pleasant. And she was a teacher for a long time at the congregation until her knees started hurting her so bad that she was like, I can't teach anymore. And let me tell you how wonderful this sister is. Uh, Betty Abby's her name. And what she did is she started working on like a card ministry. And I mean, you had a birthday, you're getting a card. Anniversary, you're getting a card. In the hospital, card. So you're not feeling good, card. She found a way to serve where she was. And if we consider it, I mean, you know, when you're younger, you can knock a thousand doors and, and it's going to be fine. But, you know, you have trouble walking. You can't just say, well, I can't knock doors. Therefore, I have no obligations to the church. Yeah. That's why we need to assess ourselves to find what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, so we don't put all of our eggs in one basket. Well, the other part of that, right, is you talk about your strengths, right? Humility is knowing your strengths. But humility is also being willing to step outside of your comfort zone to do things that you normally wouldn't do. Right. So uh, we, we had a meeting the other day and we were asked to come up and help uh, do some, some work at the building. Our buildings had some construction recently. Right. I, I'm afraid if I get a hammer, I'm going to tear down the whole building. It's just going to fall down like a cartoon thing. Right. I'm afraid of that, too, Chris. Yeah, well, I was going to say that's a reality. I, I it is. It is a reality. But we have been asked to be here. Right. My strength is most definitely not in building and construction. Am I bad at it? Not really, but I'm not good at it. But I've been asked to be here, right? And so because I've been asked to be here, I need to be humble enough to not think that I'm above that, to not think that I'm better than that, to not think that that's not my strength or talent and therefore not do it. I need to be humble enough to realize that this is a part of God's work and I need to help. So so far, this is this conversation is kind of centered around how humility and service go hand in hand. Um, what about, you know, like humility and encouragement? Because um, that's... That's another big one in my mind when I think about humility is that when we put others ab- above ourselves, we're, we're building them up. We are encouraging our brothers. And I think this is ties in really with your verse in Galatians, Chris. Yeah. So Galatians chapter six, I know, I know I've talked about this before in other podcasts and I will probably talk about it in future podcasts. Of because, course. Verse, great verse. Because it's, it's just a, such a phenomenal one, but we're actually going to read, normally I, I will read verse two, but we're going to read one through five here. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Again, that's that idea of humility, right? If you're helping somebody out, don't feel like you're so much better than them that you're not Mm going to fall into the same trap that they did. 
Yeah. Right. It's nothing new under the sun. Right. All all the sins that we can think of have been committed, and a lot of people have committed all of them. There's no end to the writing of books. No. Yeah. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Again, that idea of humility, not self-deprecation, right? And I'll get into that here in a second, but humility, right? But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. The idea here of, of humility, right? If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If we don't have Christ, right? And it talks about in verse two, right? Fulfill the law of Christ, restore people in a spirit of gentleness. All of this is 100% incumbent upon us trusting in God and, and, and having Christ in our lives. If we're not willing to have Christ in our lives, and it says that our reason to boast will be in himself alone. And that's kind of scary. Because we're all going to be judged one day. Right? We're all going to have to stand before the Father and he's going to say, well, how was your life? And if I don't have Christ standing next to me saying, he's mine, then I'm going to have to sit there and boast to God about the things that I have done and then listen to the things that I haven't done well. And I really think it's so crucial, this idea of humility has to be tied to, again, that joy that Jesus is coming back, and it has to be tied to our identity in Christ. We also need to talk about, you know, the age of the miraculous is over. Yes. When the the perfect was going to come, the perfect came. I firmly hold to that was the Bible, because 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we see that with the the God-breathed scripture, we can be fully equipped so there's no more need for miraculous knowledge, because if there is a need for that, then I can't be fully equipped by the mm-hmm. Bible. So words have meaning. Fully equipped means totally fully equipped. Yep. What I have to realize is that just because I put on a Christ in baptism doesn't mean the things that are physically or emotionally wrong with me are going to be solved. It is going to take an effort. It's like uh, putting on a, a different... It's like putting on different sunglasses. I'm going to see the world through a different lens, but I'm still going to have the maladies that affected me beforehand. Uh, I deal with anxiety and depression. Just because I put on Christ in baptism doesn't mean that all of a sudden my brain chemicals are going to balance out and that uh, everything's going to be hunky-dunky. That is, I mean, that's not what the scriptures say. I wouldn't imagine that we would find someone that had their arm removed and then we... Uh, baptize them into Christ as they come up like a lizard regrowing its tail, all of a sudden that arm pops back out. That would be so cool, though. We have to wait until eternity for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when we're made whole. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we need to be realistic, and we also need to be kind. That was really good, just for the record. We need to be kind to people. And yeah. it's weird that you need to tell Christians to be kind. Because somebody has cancer, and it's, what can we do for you? Mm-hmm. You know, can we take you to the doctor? Is there anything we can do to help your family? Do you need a meal train? Is there, I mean, anything we can do to help you, but somebody going through a bout of depression, it's like, why don't you suck it up? Yeah. You know, so don't somebody you know, who's struggling with that, that lack yeah. of self-esteem and it's just like, come on, get, get over it. Yeah. I, I think, Have you thought about praying? Yeah. <laughs> you know what Jesus endured for you? Yeah. It's like not helping. Yeah. Not helping. And I, I do think it is a, really important to have that reminder that you can have joy because of Christ. There it is. But 
do it in a kind way. Do it in a loving way, not just suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> and my, my my joy in Christ isn't going to make my pancreas begin to produce insulin. Yeah. I mean, a diabetic is type 1. is still going to be a, a type 1 diabetic. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we need to show kindness with those who are dealing with uh, mental health issues. We need to yeah. show them the same respect and kindness that we would to somebody with a, a physical malady. You had mentioned just a little bit ago that it's weird that we have to tell Christians to be kind. And I, I've been thinking about that. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because Christians are people too. Mm-hmm. And we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of there God. Is. And it should be weird for us to tell Christians to be kind. It should be, but I think Jesus came and, you know, talking to the the Jewish nation, talking to his apostles, his disciples. I mean, how many times did Jesus have to tell Peter, right, to to pay attention, right? (laughs) Get behind me, Satan, right? Like, we have to constantly be reminded of these things because if not, we allow our own personal thoughts and whatever word you want to put there, right? To to get in the way of us being Christ-like. If we're not constantly reminding ourselves and constantly in the scriptures and praying and doing all these things, then we are not going to be the example for others that they need because some people don't have the strength to necessarily do all of that. They need the encouragement from others. Yeah, I, need the, I need the pat on the head. Uh, when I interviewed with the elders at Northwest, I said, hey, you know, I may come across like I'm I'm okay and that, you know, I, I feel like I do have some good abilities that add to ministry. I said, but I need the pat on the head. I yep. need the reminder, hey, we see what you're doing and we like mm-hmm. it. And it's just that puts my mind at ease. And the elders at Northwest have been wonderful with that. And it's, I mean, they have, they look for opportunities just to, hey, you know, we appreciate you and that sort of thing because it's how my mind, my mind works. And one thing that I do that, that helps and I think it can help people that are dealing with either anxiety, depression, or lacking self-esteem, because those can be together or they can be mutually exclusive, is surround yourself with winners. And when I was, before I got into ministry, I was a football coach. I was going to teach high school physics, coach football. And winners win. And you teach kids how to win. You teach people how to win. And then when they learn to be winners, then even when you're down in a football game, they're fighting back because they win. And if I surround myself with excuse makers, if I surround myself with people who play church, if I surround myself with those who carry the banner of Christ but don't exemplify that in in their life, I'm going to get the negative byproducts of that. So if I want to be the best I can be, I surround myself with winners. I surround myself with people that are positive influences. Uh, I surround myself with people who want me to win, and, and I want them to win. Sometimes we have to put ourselves in a position to succeed. And when it comes to anxiety and depression, there is a spectrum here. I mean, if you disobey your parents and you badmouth your friends and you break the rules at school and you get suspended, you're going to find yourself sitting alone in your room with uh, your parents mad at you, no friends, and you're punished. And that's not really depression. That's bad decisions. Make better decisions. Uh, There are some situations you can be in that are out of your control that can lead to a chemical imbalance. 
And this is not medical advice. This is just JJ's experience. So if anybody's listening to this and going, I'm jotting these down, hey, <laughs> talk to your talk to your physician. That, that's and the little like uh, disclaimer. Disclaimer. There, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm not a licensed uh, stock trader. Um, I, I think it's interesting, JJ, as you're talking about surrounding yourself with winners. When we put that in the spiritual sense, who who's the ultimate winner? Jesus. You know that, that's what the the Bible is about. Good defeats evil. Jesus beats Satan. Yeah, he's already won. Je- Jesus has already won. I want to be a winner. And so if you're going to surround yourself with winners, it's people who recognize Jesus wins. I'm on. I'm going to be on Jesus' side. So I'm going to surround myself with people who think that. P- people who believe that, that. That Jesus is the ultimate winner. Well, and, and that that should lead us to have greater self-esteem in ourselves. Exactly. It should. Sure. And And... Not all the time does it, right? Because sometimes we just need a reminder that, hey, you know, this, this life is, is rough right now. Like it is. I'm here for you. I'm with mm-hmm. you, right? If you just need, if you just need somebody to sit next to you, then that should be a, a possibility. Yeah. But And that, that was actually going to be my second point yeah. is that we all need to be the people that will give the pat on the head, like, like yeah. JJ is talking about. You know, exactly. that, that's, that's encouragement. That, yeah. That's what Barnabas was known for is giving – other Christians that pat on the head. Exactly. And, and, you know, not only that, that idea of boosting someone else's self-esteem, right? Uh, you know, I, I hear the story or see it on, on social media or whatever of the little girl who stands in front of the mirror and tells herself, you're awesome. You're intelligent. You're beautiful. You're great. And, you know, you, you see it, it's like a little three-year-old girl with pigtails, right? And she's, and you just kind of laugh and, oh, that's cute. But in reality, man, what a hero. Like what an awesome way to start the day. Look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you are worth something because, and what did God tell us? That we were worth his son. Mm-hmm. We are worth the co- the price of Jesus Christ. So when you put a price on someone's head and you put a price on someone, if it's not Christ, it doesn't add up because that's what God has paid for us. Sometimes, you know, we... Uh... We sit back and think about, you know, how much good am I? And we can go down that, you know, the, the, the downward spiral of depression. And it's always a good reminder to go, you know, no matter how you think about yourself, Jesus still thought you were to die for him. Yeah. And I, I don't say that to be cliche. I mean, I avoid cliches like the plague because they're old hat. But uh-huh. I, <laughs> <laughs> and I did that straight face, too. I'm really proud of me. Um <laughs> But when we look at the difference in humility and a lack of self-esteem, the lack of self-esteem just focuses on what I can't do. Yeah. When I am humble, I look at areas that are deficient. It is a way of thinking. It, it, yeah. is, a, it is a mindset. I mean, we look at Second Chronicles uh, chapter 7 and verse 14. We find God answering Solomon's prayer. And in it, God says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And basically, you know, the the context is if you disobey, you're going to be punished. But when you are ready to repent, I am there. And humbling ourselves, we need to realize, yep, I missed the mark. And sometimes people will say somebody's not humble if they say that, you know, they're good at something. Like it'd be easy for Chris to say, "I'm, I'm good at tennis. And I've never seen him play, but let's say for the sake of argument, I have. I mean, he is good at tennis. But if I don't have a proper understanding of the definition of humility, I can go, wow, he's not very humble. 
But when you look at this in its context here, if you look in this in the verse, the humbling of myself means that I am asserting if I'm living, I'm discerning if I'm living by God's standard. That is the type of humbleness. Well, and what you just brought up, right? So you kind of using that example of, of you know, me being good at tennis, right? It would be, it would show a lack of self-esteem if I were to say I'm bad at tennis, right? If the reality is, is that I'm good. Because self-deprecation is not humility. It's the exact opposite of humility. Humility is knowing what it is that you can and cannot do. And then leaving the rest up to God. Now, self-deprecating humor, that's good. <laughs> I utilize that a lot. And it's all hyperbolic. But, yeah. you know, earlier when I was talking about, you know, bad decisions or the environment you're in, there are some people that I guarantee you, listener, that you're around that have a legitimate chemical imbalance in their brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it is I think it is outright evil to discourage them when they're already discouraged. And they need to seek balance. And I do that with medication. I've had people say, I I actually uh, saw somebody on Facebook the other day that said, you don't need therapy. You need the Bible. And I was like, how heartless. I saw that too, yeah. How heartless can you be is to sit back and have somebody who is dealing with trauma to say you don't need to learn to deal with that trauma or have somebody help you. You just need to go by yourself. And you need to read your Bible. And again, we wouldn't do that to somebody with a, a disability that we see. We yeah. would tell them to go to physical therapy, wouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. So what we need to do is understand the understand that sometimes the people that are around us are fighting a battle we don't understand. We're only seeing a we're only seeing the the tip of the iceberg, not the totality of their life. Let's be kind. Let's be patient. Let's encourage. And let's, uh, let's try to lift people up. Well, that goes right into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And we're, I'm going to read through 32 here. But let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I mean, I don't know what else we can't say. <laughs> the scripture, scripture lays it out perfectly. Let no corrupting talk come from your mouth, but only such as that is as good for building up. If I'm saying something to someone that is not going to build them up or encourage them, then I'm, I'm messing up. I'm not it's, doing right. It's not what we say, it's how we say it. Yeah. And when we look at Galatians 6, uh, 6, 1 and 2 that you talked about at the beginning, yeah, is we see the qualifications for you to be able to go and encourage someone. Mm-hmm. And first, you have to be spiritual. And how great would it be, and it's unfortunate to word it that way, how great would it be if those who are backbiters, those who are gossips, those who uh, who are wanting to make their way... In, in in the church, and that be the avenue for them to find a way to feel important, and they want to protect their brand, and that sort of thing. I mean, how great would it be if somebody went ahead and just was like, hey, you know what, I'm not very spiritual, so here's some hot, juicy gossip I want to tell you. How great would it be if they, if they said that first, and then the spirit of gentleness. I mean, so often we think we need to bring the hammer, and we think that viol- <laughs> spiritual violence is the answer. 
you know, we're trying to swat at a swat at a mosquito with a hammer, and all of a sudden we find that there's the, holes all over the drywall. Yeah, there's holes in the drywall, <laughs> but we also we find that violence isn't the answer when the mosquito lands on our own head. <laughs> so we need to ensure that we are being gentle, and even when it comes to church discipline in Matthew 18, at, at no point does Jesus say, "You know what? If they're just being real dumb, yell at them. If they're being, if they know better." And they're being stupid. You let them know that. I mean, how many times have we heard people say, you know, I really told them how it was. Well, cool. I bet you that's how Jesus would have done it. I think it's cool that you bring up Matthew 18. Didn't I don't want to interrupt that thought, but I want to look back to how Matthew 18 starts. And so finish your, your thought real quick, but I want to go back to Matthew 18. Oh, yeah, sure. Because uh, the way that chapter starts ties in exactly with what we're talking about. But the example that I like to use with that is uh, I broke my ankle a couple years ago. Uh, stepped off the stepped off the steps at my house into the into the carport and a uh, little bow fracture in my ankle and I went to the doctor and the doctor was great he was a member of the church and you know he was patient and he gave me a prognosis and he told me things I needed to do and he told me the physical therapy to get me back uh, to to where I wanted to be and I mean I wore the boot and I took the boot off and you know the muscle atrophy we talked about earlier my mm-hmm. left calf was a lot smaller than my right calf <laughs> and I imagine you know if we were to deal if he were to have dealt with me how we deal with people struggling with sin I mean I could have walked in and him just look at me and go if you weren't so fat then that this wouldn't have even been an issue. You probably would have like landed on landed on your feet fine, but you're so the the Earth's gravity pulls you so hard to the center of the Earth that your your poor ankle had no way of supporting your massive girth. And you know I don't want to sugarcoat this for you because you'd probably eat that too. And uh, sit back and I think that why do we do that to people? No, no matter how long they have served God, I mean we still need to win them back with love. I don't know. I can't think of one time that I've ever had someone come up and be like, listen, stupid, you know better than this. And me go, well, that sounds like something I'll listen to. No, you get defensive when that happens. So that gets us back to, you know, Matthew 18. How do we approach someone who is who is in sin? What way do we do it? It ties over to Galatians, uh, you know, 6, 1 and 2 beautifully as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of approaching someone in sin and, and doing it in a humble way, uh, really just approaching anyone um, who may be down and doing it in the humble way. Jesus talks there at the beginning of Matthew chapter 18. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read for us uh, verses one through through five. He says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The humility of a child. Think of how how children, you know, little, little kids talk to one another. There's no, oh, your hair looks bad today. There's no, oh, like, did you forget to put on makeup? There's no, like, you look bigger than the last time I saw you. Well, actually, kids do say that. Probably to one or think it, but that's because they're growing. Anyways, the, the face of a child can really tell you what they're thinking, especially yeah. the mouth part. <laughs> well, as we, you know, as we talk about this idea of how you say it, I, I, I want to encourage you to go. If you have a pet at home, talk to your dog or talk to your cat and say, "I love you." And say it in a nice and sweet way, 
And then I want you to come back five minutes later and yell at them the same words. I love you, but yell at them in a very angry tone and see which of the two they respond better to. Because the reality is, is that even animals understand how we talk to them matters. Dogs do. I don't know about cats, but cats do. Cats, (laughs) they recognize it, but they don't care. Right. So that is very true. They don't care, but they do recognize it. Sorry. Anyways, I shouldn't be making jokes. It's a very good good point. point. My entire life, I've been told it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Absolutely. Most of the trouble I've gotten into is, you know, just a, a little, I mean, just a little too excitable. And you know, you could have said that a little bit better. And it is a challenge. And I'm not going to say I'm worthless and I bring no value to the cause of Christ. It's just like, I'm going to have to continue to work on this. Yeah. And I mean, back to that second Chronicles uh, 714 principle is if I assess my life compared by God's standard, not anybody else's standard, but God's standard, and I realize I'm deficient, if I'm humble, I'm going to change. And that's that's the the crux of this whole thing is by God's standard. You know, we find joy only by God's standard in Jesus. We, we are humble by God's standard. We, we get along together and encourage one another by God's standard. And, and I think that that brings us full circle. Our lives need to be centered around Christ. Our, our hearts, our minds, our you know, that that's the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God needs to be at the center of that wheel. So, And, and whether you're, you're struggling with self-esteem or humility or whatever the case may be, there are people who are not. And those are the people who need to help lift you up. And if you are struggling with it, you need to look up to Christ as our example, right? The yeah. forefronter, uh, the forerunner, not the forefronter, the forerunner <laughs> of our faith um, and, and realize that and even if we are struggling with stuff in this life, we still have Christ. And I know it's hard to rationalize. I know it's hard to to, to go through all of that and, and make sense of it all. I, I'm not saying it's 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 easy, but I am saying it's necessary and it's worthwhile. Yeah. And do your best to surround, to surround yourself with winners. In other words, people who know Jesus is the winner. <laughs> We've talked about one aspect of humility, and that's uh, recognizing our deficiencies. But also, you know, it's recognizing our strengths and appropriately mm-hmm. using those strengths. Yeah. yeah. Because there are people that get a little too much ego. And sometimes, yeah. I mean, we need to be brought down a peg. And that still needs to be done with kindness. Yeah. yeah. But it's all about, you know, what, what humility is. Proverbs 22, 4 is the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. If you want to live a short and miserable life, read the Proverbs, do the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Well, JJ, um, I'm going to let Dylan close up here in just a second, but this has been an awesome conversation and, you know, just talking about really what humility is, what humility isn't, right? And what, what, uh, what we can do about low self-esteem and how we can help to combat that. I I hope uh, that we've been pretty clear in, in ways to, uh, approach these issues in ways to, uh, I guess, better yourself. So, JJ, um, you got one more thing? Uh, I got one last thing. In part of ego, I remember getting into preaching school and thinking, you know what, I'm really going to be doing God a service here by leaving the field I wanted to do to go into ministry. And uh, my father-in-law was uh, Robert Stapleton, a wonderful man. And I remember he said it with love in classes. He said, God does not need any of you 
wants you, but he doesn't need you. And I remember that moment sitting at that desk going, what do you mean God doesn't need me? And then it hit. It was like, I remember when I wasn't faithful. I mean, the world, the church kept growing. People were being obedient to the gospel. And I am in my interviews now, I always say, I'm not the machine, but I feel like I'm a pretty good cog to help a machine run more smoothly. So when it comes to our ego, we still have to remember God big, us small, mm-hmm. that he is the creator. And our goal is to serve him to the best of our abilities. And when we realize where we stand, and that's equally at the foot of the cross, we are going to be more humble. Amen. I couldn't say it any better, brother. Um, you know, th- this is the kind of conversation that encourages you, but also reminds you and r- reminds all of us, we still have work to do. We, we still have to be diligent every day to, to, to be humble. But find our worth in Christ. So um, to our listeners, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all joining us in this conversation today. And now we're going to go fellowship and and laugh a little bit more with our uh, friend and brother, JJ. So have a great day. And remember, we're proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Stay tuned. Listen to how you can contact us. Thank you so much for listening to the Bible Conversations podcast. I want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out. You can like us on Facebook and share our posts. You can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.